It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. To, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to AwesomeO.com's On the Contrary show this wonderful week six, Saturday afternoon. I'm Dave Lochran. With me, as always, Alex Baker and Rich Rebar of Sharp Football Analysis. We've got a great cast today. Rich is joining us. I believe he joined us last year as well, so making another appearance here on the contrary. And we got a ton to talk about today. Uh, the totals just continue to rise across the league, seeing 57s, 56s, 54s far more frequently. And the Miami Dolphins have an implied total above 28. So this is not your granddad's NFL anymore. Alex, how we doing, man? I know you got your eye on that Miami game. Mostly because the Jets are playing. <laughs> yeah, we got some great games. And, I mean, the best thing in fantasy football is when you get two of the bad teams playing each other. That always makes for a fun fantasy game. Uh, so we got some good ones this week and uh, pretty excited to play tomorrow. Rich, glad you're with us, man. Follow Rich if you're not doing so already. I'm assuming you are. But if not, at Lord Reebs, it's R-E-E-B-S. And check out all of his work at sharpfootballanalysis.com. Fantastic site with an, incred- uh, an incredible amount of information on there for all of us fantasy nerds. What's going on, Rich? What's going on, guys? I mean, it's great to join you guys on a Saturday. And you kind of talked about it. We're waiting for that bubble to burst. And last week it was kind of even. It took the odds makers, you know, kind of a few weeks to adjust. But the overs, they've been juicing up here. And last week was the first week it was kind of a wash. You look at week two, games on average went over the total by seven points. Then week three, four points. Then week four, three points. Then last week, just 1.3 points. So they're finally catching up here and getting these totals to where, uh, you know, kind of they've been hitting. You know, defenses have really struggled out of the gates. Secondary play has been really bad so far this year in the NFL. And it's given us a lot of points, which has been fun, you know, so far. And we've heard a lot about the lack of offensive holding penalties that a lot of people mm-hmm. believe are contributing to the high scoring. Uh, the average score this season is above 51 points, the average total, which is crazy. As our guest, Rich, let's kick it off with you and start with the game that Alex just tweeted about promoting <laughs> the show, the uh, Miami Dolphins and the New York Jets. 
I honestly didn't think there would come a time in 2020 or anywhere around here that I'd be seeing Miami as a double-digit favorite against <laughs> any team. Now, listen, I'm a Miami fan. This is my bad team that I love to root oh. for because I love Ryan Fitzpatrick, and I'm a big Brian Flores guy. I think the team plays for him. They play for Fitzmagic, and they've been fun to watch, especially last week, the drubbing against the San Francisco 49ers, albeit a banged-up mm-hmm. Niners team. They still smoked them. They're 10-point favorites here. They have a 28.3 implied total, and they're getting some ownership, which is really not something many of us have seen in a very long time for this Miami Dolphins football team. Yeah, the Dolphins have, have been pretty fun here the last few weeks, and Ryan Fitzpatrick in general, like he's now made 16 starts since he took back over for Josh Rosen last year, and in those starts, he's averaging 20.4 fantasy points per game. He's been a top 12 quarterback score uh, in 11 of those 16 games and, you know, four or five games so far to start this season. Um, and the Jets have just been the Jets, you know, so far to start the season. They're, they haven't allowed a lot of passing points per game because just of – you know, the fact that they're never in a, a you know, a, a game script where teams have to keep throwing on them. Uh, but they're 30th in completion rate allowed to opposing quarterbacks. They're 28th in yards per attempt. It's not like they're a good pass defense. It's just that they, the scoreboard dictates that teams eventually stop throwing on them. Uh, and that's maybe something we will get here with a game like Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, it's not like a couple weeks ago when he was chalky and we knew he was going to match Russell Wilson. This is a game where you said double-digit point favorites. They're expected control, to control the game. And maybe that does cap some of the upside here for some of these guys if that were to happen uh granted it is a jets matchup that we always like but you look at even like a guy like Devonte parker who we love the individual matchup but in the two games that the dolphins have won he has you know just five targets and three targets you know we could see a game where it's like a mid 25 pass attempt game for fitzpatrick and maybe that leads people to a guy like miles gaskin who you guys could touch on too you know who's starting to get some steam here now that you know he finally got a goal line carry last week and jordan howard was inactive yeah and alex the reason this show's called on the contrary is because we try to take a tournament approach right we, we want to take a slightly different approach than other shows where you know you can look anywhere to build cash lineups ownership alone and just overall projection uh can help you in in, in building cash lineups we know that this is a different approach uh, and i think it's a helpful one uh, especially having two of you guys very sharp football minds on the show one of you from a more um, overall perspective and rich and one from an actual tournament perspective being a top ranked player uh, out there the Dolphins are getting 13% ownership on Gaskin outside of that Parker and, and Fitzpatrick are up there a little bit on the other side and they're both around 9% you got Jamison Crowder who's been spectacular really despite inconsistent uh, quarterback play from the Jets he's getting around 7.7% ownership uh, is this a game that you think still has uh, a lot of merit to target on either side? And is Jamison Crowder going to be that runback option if you're looking to stack the Dolphins? Yeah, I think there's a lot of potential here. Uh, Miami, they've been pretty good on offense. Their weak point is obviously on the defensive end more. Uh, and then the Jets are the reverse where their offense is really abysmal and their defense is not bad. So I think it's an interesting matchup here. Um, it really depends a lot on what site you're playing on because on DraftKings, the Dolphins players are all getting a big price bump this week, but on FanDuel, they're much less expensive for the salary cap. So I think that uh, Devontae Parker, I mean, he's got that uh, that workload to really be in play every week, and this week's particularly good. Um, just 
uh, Gaskin. I mean, uh, he's kind of interesting. Like uh, Jordan Howard was inactive, as Rich mentioned, but they they worked Lynn Bowden into the running back rotation. Patrick Laird and Matt Breida also played, uh, so it's a pretty uh, pretty tough situation for huge workload. Gaskin played on forty two of sixty eight snaps, which is it's decent volume, but it's nothing super exciting. So he kind of falls under a category of like good but not great play for me. But uh, I think the top play in this game, you got to look at the, the Miami defense just because the Jets are... And they're pretty popular, too, amazingly. 16% projected ownership right now with our <laughs> awesome.com projection. Yeah, you got to like it just because, to me, defense is almost 90%. Like, who are they going up against? So... Flacco doesn't throw a, a remarkable amount of interceptions, but the Jets' offense is just so bad. So we're happy to have everyone with us, by the way. Forgot to mention that at the top. My fault. Hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. You guys all know it's the easiest way to help support us, and it helps us greatly. Subscribe, hit that notification bell as well, so you always know when new content's going to drop next. Rich, I don't want to spend the whole show on this game, but I do think it's important <laughs> and pretty integral to, to figuring out how we're approaching this week. Jamison Crowder has been spectacular. He's been targeted double-digit times in all three games. Uh, he's got seven-plus receptions and 100-plus yards in all of them. It, is there any other way to differentiate in this game if you are looking to play someone from the Jets in a run back from the Dolphins? I don't know how you get there uh, without just, you know, b- you know, blind swinging a stick here and, and touching <laughs> something because we don't know what, you know, now that they've cut Le'Veon Bell – the three games Le'Veon Bell was out, they gave 51 touches to Frank Gore, and he never had more than 65 yards in any of them. They've got <laughs> Michael P. Ryan. Will they play him? Uh, looks like they're going to get Brashad Perriman and potentially Denzel Mims back this week. I, haven't, I was looking for Denzel Mims' official word, uh, but I haven't seen it yet. But it looks like they're going to get those guys in the mix. Jeff Smith is a guy. He had 11 targets last week. But, like, with those guys coming back, is that something that's going to happen again? Uh, Crowder also is just, you know, he works in the slot, which is, you know, he's going to avoid Zayvon Howard. He's going to avoid Byron Jones. It's kind of just really set up for why would the targets not find him again? Uh, you know, he's got, what, he's reached 100 yards and seven catches in every game. He's a boring, you know, no one likes to play guys like Jamison Crowder, but when you're in an offense that is so narrow, the usage base, like, and they're going to have to drop back and throw – um, he is a guy that, you know, has a high floor. He has been lucky in the touchdown department a little bit. He doesn't have an end zone target yet on the season. Uh, you know, he had that 69 yard screen pass touchdown in week one last week. He scored from the 11 yard line, kind of broke a tackle and got in. Uh, so no end zone targets yet, but I just don't know how you, you, you land on any other jet besides him. <laughs> Neither do I. And let, let me stick with you here for a minute, Rich, as we transition to the lions and Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Lions getting it, it's funny you, you look at ownership at the beginning of the week right no matter where you are and it's going to change right I, I say it at the beginning of every week you're gonna see things that influence ownership projections and it's obviously the most accurate at the closer you get to game time uh, whether you have injury reports or a myriad other reasons well in this case the the Lions weren't particularly high early in the week you look at them now they're getting a lot of ownership. And this, I think, as Alex mentioned, Miami and Jets being a pivotal game, I think this is going to be a, a massively pivotal game, given Kenny Galladay and Matthew Stafford and even Hawkinson's ownership. People have really been interested, and for good reason, in targeting against the Jaguars lately. Uh, is this a play that you see yourself making in tournaments? Yeah, I mean, this is a game that definitely anytime you see the Jaguars, the way – 
the last three weeks have gone for them. They have just been straight up dog walked by three teams that are particularly not the greatest. You know, the Dolphins Houston was zero and four coming into that game. Houston, the Bengals, and uh, and uh, the Dolphins, and that Thursday night game. Three weeks in a row, they've just been they've just been crushed. Uh, they are in terms of expected points added defensively. They are thirty first against the pass. Uh, they're 26th in passing points allowed. They've allowed the highest yards for pass attempt in the NFL. And they've had a few injuries. You know, DJ Hayden's on our – it looks like we'll get C.J. Henderson back this week and uh, Miles Jack as well. But, I mean, this is a bad defense that we can target. We've got a Lions team kind of coming out of a bye. Hopefully they decide they want to play DeAndre Swift more uh, instead of Adrian Peterson, <laughs> but we'll have to hold our breath on that. Um, I love uh, Marvin Jones in this game. Uh, looking at all the ownership on the, the the Lions side and seeing where Marvin Jones is, he has just 12 catches this year. I get it, uh, but he's in a very similar spot of Brandon Cooks was in last week. Is that in terms of routes run per dropback, Marvin Jones is third amongst all NFL wide receivers. 97% of the time, he's running a route on a Detroit dropback, so he's out there. The targets just haven't found him yet, and we know that this is also what Marvin Jones does. Like he has lulls and like where he's not a playable wide receiver, and then he comes up with like a two touchdown game or a three touchdown game. Um, and everyone's going to be on Galladay. Everyone's going to be on Stafford, who I like. I think Marvin Jones is a really great pivot off of those guys. Uh, and we know he's capable of having a blow-up spot. And his ownership, uh, looking at both sites, uh, is really low right now. Um, so I'm looking at a guy like Marvin Jones as a guy to potentially come a, a way to combat this you know, popularity of Galladay uh, and Hawkinson. I love that. Uh, Marvin Jones has proven time and time again, Alex, that he has that blow up upside, right? Like he has that tournament winning upside. Uh, the one thing that's frustrated me with the Lions, though, it, they have a pretty flat distribution of targets this year. And I know that Galladay was out for a couple of games. He has around the 24 percent uh, target share in the couple games that he's been back. Mind you, they had a bye last week. Uh, I, I would assume that he begins to to really command a lot more attention are a lot more targets from Stafford, but it has been a rough go for Marvin Jones. TJ Hawkinson's been kind of reliant on end zone targets, but they do have some talent on this team. And and Matthew Stafford last year was on pace for 5,000 yards and almost 40 touchdowns. So we know he can chuck the ball and he can put up big numbers through the air. Yeah, I mean, you got to like the <clears throat> potential of uh, Detroit here going up against a really weak passing defense, like Rich was mentioning. So I think that uh, Kenny Galladay is uh, a really good play this week. Um, all these guys are going to be super popular. I mean, we should mention uh, in the ownership, Matthew Stafford is currently our highest projected owned quarterback. So um, I think it's not going to be as sneaky as you might expect Detroit to be because of the right. matchup. But uh, maybe you could mix it up a little bit with Danny Amendola. Uh, I like the Marvin Jones call as well, but Amendola, he uh, he gets targeted a lot when he's on the field at about twenty percent, and then it's just his playing time isn't as high as the other guys. He only plays about two thirds of the dropbacks, so I think um, he's going to be really inconsistent from week to week. But uh, I think he'll go under the radar for sure. What do you make of James Robinson on the other side of this one? The guy comes out of nowhere this season, right? Leonard Fournette gets released. And James Robinson has essentially taken over exclusive rights to this Jacksonville backfield. It's it's really impressive to see what he's done. And uh, while Chris Thompson will get worked in a little bit, two weeks ago he didn't have a single target. Every target went to James Robinson. Every running back carries going to him. I know Thompson was involved last week playing from behind. Um, but – what are you what are you doing with Robinson getting some ownership 
but also and, and and granted i know that there's a little bit of sticker shock when you look at that $6800 price tag on draftkings but from a usage standpoint the guy's seen 20 plus looks uh carries plus targets in 3 of his last 4 games yeah, I mean, James Robinson has as big a workload as anyone. And as good as Detroit's matchup is versus Jacksonville, you got to like the Jacksonville. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Matchup versus Detroit. They're below average in both run and pass defense when it comes to yards allowed per attempt. So uh, maybe if the Detroit sack's going to be that popular, the, the leverage plays is playing Robinson and hope Jacksonville is... Uh, has an upside day where they they dominate the game because I feel like uh, James Robinson. Uh, there's a few guys in the league like this, like Joe Mixon, where when their team rolls, they're just gonna have that potential to just totally break a slate. Although like the team isn't that good, so that's not gonna happen as much as some other guys. All right, same game. Talking Jacksonville, Rich. <laughs> one, I think we do have to to keep in mind that. DJ Shark at the time is questionable. Uh, I don't know if you have more news on him. Maybe we do expect him to play. For now, I'm ruling him in. But uh, your thoughts on him and also LaVisca Chenault, there's a couple things about this guy that are strange, right? He's done a phenomenal job in accruing yards after the catch. One of the, one of the, the, the highest or one of the best yards after catch guys so far in the league. But when you talk about air yards, this guy sees virtually nothing downfield and is forced to pretty much manufacture all of his yardage after the catch, which can be good because you can pretty much lock in the fact that he's going to make these catches. But it, it sucks in knowing that to break one, he's going to have to avoid 15 tackles. Yeah, and that's how he was, you know, coming out of school. You know, he is kind of, you know, a running back build and a wide receiver body. He. Uh, you know, actually didn't have a lot of receiving touchdowns in college and wasn't typically used vertically, you know, and they used him in the Wildcat a little bit. And that's kind of how the Jaguars have used him near the line of scrimmage, uh, inside, break tackles. He does. He's also another guy. He does not yet have an end zone target on the season, uh, which kind of leads into like what you talked about, his, his problems, you know, trying to reach the paint. His target share has gone up the past two weeks. He's got what, uh, you know, five catches and seven catches the past two games. Uh, he actually leads the team now in targets and catches on the season. Uh, but yeah, the, the touchdown upside is something we've yet to see. And, you know, if we're early on it, you know, you could definitely hit if you're there. Uh, if Shark doesn't play, you know, we've seen, you know, a couple weeks ago that Chris Conley's the guy they like to use as his replacement. And and he was a, a disaster in that Dolphins game on that Thursday night. He, he probably cost them about four and a half real actual football points, if not yeah. more, uh, in that game. Uh, and then they're using Keelan Cole near the end zone. Keelan Cole's a guy that's not stacking a lot of yardage. So he's not like a great play because uh, he's dependent on getting a touchdown. And even when he has a touchdown, he's not even scoring a lot of fantasy points. But they're using him near the end zone as well. So like they're spreading the ball around. And then one thing to keep in mind is that even though the Lions are bad, they play man coverage at the highest rate in the NFL. And Gardner Minshew has been a disaster so far against man coverage. Granted, it's going to be a bad man coverage. <laughs> but uh, Minshew's stats against man coverage, 49% completion rate, under six yards for pass attempt. 
uh, so far this season against man coverage. Uh, we're going to need the Jaguars to do their part in this game for sure, especially if you're invested in the Lions side because the Lions and the Jaguars are two of the slower-paced teams in the NFL. So if the Lions come out and control the game like the past three teams that have played the Jaguars have, we could end up seeing a lot of Adrian Peterson, man, a lot more Adrian Peterson than we really want. And then if the Jaguars <sighs> control the game script – they're the slowest paced team in neutral game script in the NFL. Granted, they don't play a neutral game script a lot, but it could be, like you said, a lot of James Robinson. So there's a there's a chance this game could be uglier than people expect and not pop as well as it being kind of a, a fun time as well. It's, there's probably a lot of variance here. What's going on with this, this Adrian Peterson? What is going on with these coaches, right, that are completely unwilling to run out some younger run like? I'm not saying Swift's going to be the next Barry Sanders, but Adrian Peterson. And, and, and then you've got the New York Jets with Adam Gase force-feeding Frank Gore opportunity. I, should we really be expecting Adrian Peterson? Maybe, maybe we should, right? Because even in that last game against New Orleans, Adrian Peterson saw, what, five or six fourth-quarter rushes, and they were down by two scores? I, that, that is a concern. I think you're right. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays. I, I hope that coming out of the bye, they involve Swift more. It's very odd the way they've deployed him. He's being used like a Darren Sproles-like player. Yeah. He's only playing in the passing game uh, and not getting any rushing work at all, which is really puzzling. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry if you drafted DeAndre Swift. We're hoping it turns out of the bye. Yeah, I think I think from a dynasty standpoint, you'll be okay. But it's it's been ugly, man. Some it's hard, it's tough to project the rookie uh, volume with some of these guys if they're not. It's like, been a bad hard. year. It, I mean, James Robinson is the one hit we have. All these other guys, and Jonathan Taylor's been okay, and Clyde Slayer's been more or less fine. But if you look at the top of this running back class, it has not lived up to the acumen that they were presented with. You know, coming into this season from a fantasy standpoint. Yeah, especially when you're drafting them where you were, like Clyde Edwards Lair or mid first round, Alex. Mm-hmm. Houston and Tennessee. I was actually a little bit surprised to see this. Uh, both of these teams in our QB ownership, If you, we have a, an awesome top stack tool uh, for all of our sports. And for this one, we take QB ownership into consideration here. We have top stack probability. We have top value for these stacks. Houston and Tennessee are three and four respectively right now in ownership, Alex. You've got a 53-point total. The Titans just trashed. The, the, the formerly uh, undefeated Buffalo Bills uh, on Tuesday night football, and now they head into this matchup against Houston and their three-point favorites. Here's that we're going to be seeing uh, a lot of people flocking towards this game, potentially on both sides. Obviously, Henry getting more ownership than anyone right now. A.J. Brown is going to be wildly popular. Uh, and then on, even on the Houston side, you're seeing a decent amount of love there. So your thoughts on this game are going to be very important <laughs> in deciding what we do. Yeah, I mean, this game looks uh, like one of the games of the week for sure. I mean, Houston... They've really been terrible when they've been chalk, except last week Brandon Cooks kind of had that breakout performance, which a couple of weeks late for most of us, but uh, that was encouraging. So I think that paired with Will Fuller, like you, you got the makings of a pretty nice stack for, for Houston. Jordan Akins, I'm hoping he's back off uh, from injury because uh, he's a guy that I think might go under the radar. He played... Most of the snaps uh, when he was healthy, but then had a concussion. So I think he's the one I'm looking at. But uh, Tennessee, I think they're kind of like one of the top teams of the week with Derrick Henry just going up against a weak Houston D. 
defense being really popular. And then A.J. Brown, as you guys mentioned, he's super cheap this week, and he had an amazing game the other night, so he looks really solid. Your thoughts, Rich, on Houston and Tennessee. Last week we saw uh, Adam Humphreys and Corey Davis sidelined uh, on the COVID-19, I guess, exempt list. I forget the exact name of it. Uh, do we anticipate any injuries, any absences or inactives that are going to uh, affect A.J. Brown positively, negatively? And what are your thoughts on you know a team right now that has someone in Derrick Henry that could eat up 30 overall touches regardless of game script? And then A.J. Brown, who in his return from injury had a really solid game. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have to monitor those uh, those wide receivers and see if they are, are able to play tomorrow. Uh, you know, Johnny was banged up too, and he you know he had a full practice on Friday too, so he looks good to go uh, for that game. I mean, anytime you see a guy like AJ Brown with his type of upside and you know his build and you know get thirty two percent of the team targets, like that sticks out to people. And he was the pricing came out during that game, so you know he got grandfathered in, uh, and they didn't have time to adjust that. So people are going to look to him as well. Uh, you, and he's got eight and nine targets in his two games played this year. He's the type of guy that we were always we relied on him being volatile because he had to do a lot with a little amount of targets. You know, last year when he was popping at the end of the season and kind of living you know, that, that high upside downside game, and he he had two awesome games against the Texans last year. So people will probably look at those as well and say like, yeah, we're going to chase those at this price. Pretty easy to do. Uh, it's one of these games too where you have to wonder too if it's going to just be like a, a super Derrick Henry game. Uh, where Ryan Tannehill has, you know, again, we talked a little bit like Fitzpatrick, but if, like, the Texans don't do their part, and they're so bad against the run, 41% of the yards gained against the Houston Texans are, are via rushing. That's the second highest rate in the NFL. Uh, home favorites. It's it's really set up if they want to try to grind Derrick Henry, if the matchup could dictate it, and it could be a game where these guys don't have a lot of pass volume and they got to make the most of it. And Ryan Tannehill's been getting over that way, uh, you know, and it, it foolproof. You know, he's been getting uh, the high touchdown rate, the high yards per temp have been there, um, and he's been able to succeed in these types of games. It's just always tough to pay for the probability side. And Derrick Henry, for me, is always a guy I struggle with from a fantasy stance, especially when he's chalky, high-owned, and this expensive. Uh, just because he's a guy that can have 150 rushing yards and still not get there for you. You know, if he doesn't score a touchdown because of his archetype, we know he's not going to add a lot in the receiving game. Um, and it's tough when you pay 9K, 7.3K, and you know, have a guy that doesn't catch passes and could have 85 yards or 110 yards and still not score and not get you the fantasy game you want because he's not catching any passes. I always struggle with Derrick Henry, man, when he's chalk. Uh, and I've been really tiptoeing how I want to approach him this week. Uh, because he's kind of defaulted up as an RB1, given the landscape of, you know, Kamara on by, still we're missing all these injured play. We've got all these injuries. Um, no Zika on the main slate. Uh, it's it's always tough for me when Derrick Henry is the chalk RB1. I really struggle with his archetype and paying the price for it. It's tough. And look, on one hand, you worry that he can't mitigate a semi a, a, a pedestrian rushing game with the with the uh receiving totals on the other hand he has 28 uh rushing attempts inside the 20 yard line that's six more than the next closest player and he's played one less game than almost (laughs) every player so if there's one thing we can we we can hang our hat on is that very few running backs uh are likely to to very few running backs uh have the potential to score two uh, touchdowns a game like like derrick henry does Mm -hmm. but uh, Rich brings up good points, Alex, especially when Derrick Henry is so popular. 
I'm of the belief. I still think that knowing with them knowing they were playing on a short week on an abbreviated uh, with abbreviated rest, only five days between that Tuesday and Sunday game, having to reschedule for obvious reasons that maybe uh, Jeremy McNichols got worked in more than he would have, and they were blowing out the, the Bills. So I don't look at that last game and say, uh, 19 carries, they're going to you know, kind of uh, monitor his work throughout the rest of the season. I think this could have been just a, a pretty opportune spot to do that, and if this game's close, or even if it isn't, he probably gets well up over 20 carries again. The ownership is what plays such a big role, though. Yeah, I think Henry, I mean, he has high like ridiculous upside because like the flip side is he gets two touchdowns on the ground and then you pretty much need him to win you're not going to be the only one with him though since he's the highest projected owned player in the slate currently but you gotta love the spot um and one one guy i'm kind of intrigued by in tennessee i I think the passing game is going to be popular too so it's not even like you get leverage going away from henry but adam humphreys uh He's coming off the COVID list, and I'm kind of, like, hesitant to pick someone that just had COVID, but, like, he looks pretty good as a 4K player on DraftKings versus a uh, uh, Houston pass defense that's not very formidable, and uh, I don't know, maybe I'll ask you guys, how, how do you feel about picking someone coming off COVID? Uh, go ahead, Rich. I- I'll say quickly, it's... You don't really get a ton of reports on whether or not it, if they were symptomatic or asymptomatic, but it seems like these athletes in peak condition, like incredible condition, it, I, I wouldn't be personally too concerned about it, but I don't, I don't know what his symptoms were. Go ahead, Rich. Yeah, same thing. I don't, I mean, there's nothing for me to latch onto, you know, outside of just, you know, a, a narrative spin and just guesswork. So, I mean, I really wouldn't stock it at all uh, just because I don't know how to stock it properly. So I'm just, you know I mean? I would just, so I just leave it be. Yeah, right. I, I don't know either. Yeah. In terms of like, would I completely fade a guy because he's yeah, probably not. Then no. If he's active, uh, I, I'm willing to take those shots. Alex, is there anything else from this game specifically that you like, um, knowing that this will have a, a lot of implications on how these tournaments shape up after Sunday afternoon? Yeah, I mean, I think you. It makes sense to maybe take a piece from this game because there's so much potential. Um. But there's so many plays. I guess maybe the contrarian guy will the guy that that'll be left out here is David Johnson. I think most uh, casual fantasy players won't play him because he's been pretty bad. But he did uh, as far as fantasy output, he did get 90 yards around that uh, his last game, which was an encouraging sign. And if Houston. has a day where they uh, they overperform, then David Johnson could easily sneak his way into the winning lineup because he's pretty cheap. Rich, one game that I'm really fascinated by, doesn't necessarily mean I want to load up on it, but it's overall a game that has so many moving parts, and that's Cleveland and Pittsburgh. The Steelers um, have owned the Browns over the years, so have pretty much everyone, particularly in their division. Uh, 51-point total, though. The Pittsburgh Steelers are only laying four points. And Deontay Johnson has been ruled out. Chase Claypool, in his fourth career NFL game, scores four total touchdowns last week. Uh, It was a a, a ridiculous back-and-forth shootout between Travis Fulgham and Chase Claypool, <laughs> something everyone saw coming. But now, if we're assuming that Baker Mayfield's going to play, I do believe Stefanski yeah. said he's on the right track. So as of now, I'll project him in. 
Uh, Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, questionable. I'm assuming they'll play as well, uh, <laughs> unless you have other information. Is this a game that could shoot out like we saw last week between Philly and Pittsburgh when... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. No one expected that with the lowest total on the slate to rack up the amount of points that it did. Yeah, I mean, there's still potential. The Steelers have had a really weird defense to start the year. They're number one in the NFL in yards for play on first and second down, but they've just been giving up a lot of production on third down. They're actually last in the NFL in yards for play on third down. How much do you think that says about just overall run defense and and more run run plays in the first two? I don't know the answer to this, but is that something that, that comes into play here? Yeah, I mean, teams typically do abandon the run on them. Uh, but th- what's crazy, though, is that, that even though they're giving up these splash plays in the pass game, they're number one in the NFL in pressure rate on third down, too. Uh, it was that game, same game last week. I mean, they were the, the Eagles every time were third and eight, third and nine, and they're picking up these these long third downs. Uh, so something to kind of, you know, just keep watching with the Steelers' defense because we know that they're a good defense, but we also know, you know, defenses regress, and they're not going to get the amount of turnovers that they had last year, and they're not going to be <laughs> as shut down of a defense that they were last year this game in particular is kind of fun because you know the strength of the Steelers their defensive front versus the Browns offensive line what the Browns want to do and we've seen the Colts give the Browns run game at least some trouble last last week for the first time the Browns had to work for their rushing yardage and I expect them to have to work for their rushing yardage uh, here as well and have to maybe potentially throw a little bit more like they did last week, especially on early downs. Uh, Cause the Steelers are number one in the NFL, you know, in stuff rate. Uh, they did their number one, uh, uh, second to the bucks and explosive run rate allowed. So the Browns are going to have to work for their yardage. I think everyone obviously is going to be looking at the chase Claypool, uh, you know, angle of this with Deontay Johnson being out him getting the 11 targets last week. And, not just how he got the targets and they fed him targets, but they were creative touches. You know, they're giving him end of rounds. They're giving him wide receiver screens. They're moving him in the slot. They're, they're using him in a really creative fashion. But if you look at it, he actually still played less snaps than James Washington. Uh, and then the week before when Deontay Johnson left, he also had just had four targets. So there is some volatility here still as well. Uh, there's upside and volatility. Obviously, we probably won't get a four-touchdown game. Anyone expecting that is, is probably shooting for the moon. Uh, he is really cheap on both sites, though, if you want to chase that upside that he showed. If you're going to get 10 targets from him, we see in the upside. I do think that based on his price and a, a direct pivot is Juju Smith-Schuster. The Browns have been really bad against slot wide receivers so far this season. Willie Sneed had 64 yards and a touchdown. CeeDee Lamb had two touchdowns from the slot. Tyler Boyd, 70 yards and a touchdown. And Juju's being priced still as like a wide receiver one though, and he's not performing. He's performing like a wide receiver three, so no one's going to touch him at that price. But he is a direct pivot off of you know kind of Chase Claypool and the popularity Chase Claypool is going to have, which is probably warranted. But like I said, just go back a week before when Deontay Johnson got hurt and he had one catch for 24 yards on four targets and actually played more snaps in that game and ran more pass routes than he did against the Philadelphia Eagles. So there's some volatility there. Yeah, we're projecting Juju Smith-Schuster for sub-4% ownership right now. That price tag is definitely scaring people off. Uh, And, you know, it doesn't match his performance, but that opens up opportunity to put up some really big numbers at low ownership. Uh, Alex, 
Miles Sanders last week had a 74-yard touchdown run against Pittsburgh uh, and then had 10 carries for six yards on his other uh, opportunities. So uh, outside of that one run, they swallowed him up and completely stuffed him uh, time and time again. What do you make with Nick Chubb on the IR of Kareem Hunt in what I believe or is a matchup against arguably the best run defense up there with the Buccaneers in the league? Yeah, I think Kareem Hunt is pretty intriguing, even though it is a tough matchup versus Pittsburgh. Uh, they do have a tough run defense. As you mentioned, maybe they let one big play happen last week. But the thing about Kareem Hunt is uh, obviously he gets a lot of receptions as well. So a little bit game script proof. And also, um, yeah, I think uh, the workload is really good. So uh, maybe he'd be a guy that goes under the radar, just like Miles Sanders did last week. Um, but I don't love him because the defense is so tough. Do you like anything from this game that stands out? Uh, Rich mentioned the low on Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, Kareem Hunt coming in around 10% right now, which I think is is – is logical just given the amount of work we expect him to see. And as you mentioned, uh, his his uh, involvement in the passing game. Aside from that, though, both Pittsburgh um, and then on the other side, Cleveland aren't really getting a ton of ownership. You've got Chase Claypool and Ebron up around 10 uh, or 13 and 10 percent respectively. And then Hunt at 10. Outside of that, it, it falls off a cliff. I think uh, I'm going to find Chase Claypool pretty hard to get away from. I mean, his playing time, as Rich mentioned, has been pretty inconsistent. But with Deontay Johnson out, it was encouraging that in week three, he got 80% of the snaps. Um, and last week, he only played about two-thirds of dropbacks. So not crazy playing time. But uh, when you break it all down, he's barely played in two games. And still, he's averaging 65 yards per game. And it's just like... Even if you expect, I mean, these are outlier numbers. Uh, he's getting 20 yards per reception. But uh, even if you uh, take these stats and, and bump them down because of small sample size, he still looks like an excellent play. That uh, I mean, with Deontay Johnson out this week, he was getting the, the most target share by far on the team. I think uh, that bodes well for, for all the Pittsburgh receivers, but especially Claypool. Try and tell me the Steelers don't know how to draft wide receivers. <laughs> Just a laundry list of incredible guys they've drafted over the years, many of them still in the league today. Um, Rich, before we get to a couple of, of lesser-owned teams, uh, you know what? No, let, let's, let's take the dive into that now. Uh, one of them that we talked about a lot here on the Awesome Mo NFL Strategy Show throughout the week was this Chicago-Carolina game. Uh, it's going when you talk about flying under the radar, it's not even on the radar, right? Uh, <laughs> Chicago getting around like 2% stack ownership right now. Carolina around three. The Panthers, in my opinion, have been one of the most surprising teams in the league this season. Bridgewater's holding it together. Robbie Anderson, uh, Renaissance season with the Panthers. And then Mike Davis has just been uh, unbelievably spectacular in Christian McCaffrey's stead. And now you've got Nick Foles on the other side throwing to someone like Allen Robinson, who is one of the more elite receivers in the game. I, it's, it's a weird spot where it doesn't have a particularly high total. It's not getting any ownership, but there are so many high usage players in this game on both sides that we really need to talk about it. Yeah, it's an interesting game uh, because I feel like people like the individual components, like you hit upon. 
Like people like Mike Davis and for great reason. Uh, I think people like the usage of David Montgomery in the matchup this week as well. Both of those backs, high usage backs, especially since Tariq Cohen's been out. Uh, and David Montgomery's had two pretty horrendous matchups the week, the two weeks prior. Uh, so we were, we're hoping that that opening up and that usage now paired with, uh, you know, the matchup that he can definitely pop for us. It looks like, and he's, he's way underpriced. I think he's going to be really popular as well, just because you know, he's run 35 and 31 pass routes the past two weeks and has 14 targets. Not the flashiest guy, not the sexiest guy to pick in terms of, like, you expect him to break a lot of runs or do stuff, but he's just going to be out there getting touches at his price, which is kind of something we, we always look to like. And then, you know, we see a guy, a team like the Panthers allow the first 100-yard game that Todd Gurley's had in 21 regular season games. Uh, they've allowed 5.1 yards per carry to opposing running backs. They're 30th in rushing points allowed. It's not hard to talk yourself into David Montgomery's usage. I don't know how much of a great tournament play he's going to be. I feel like he's just more of a great cash game play. Uh, and then Mike Davis has just been so reliable, and they, re- re- they refuse to, like, price him up. He's basically performing uh, like 90% of Christian McCaffrey. And like he's just like they refuse to like make him like a you know an eight K player or like yeah. you know like Chris McCaffrey was being he was a ten K player every week. Mike Davis has got twenty one, twenty one, and twenty five touches. He's got thirty receptions the last four weeks, and he just still hangs around like six eight seven five. Like they just you know it's like well, how do you get away from it? The matchup's not the greatest against the Bears. They can be beat on the ground a little bit, but this offense has proven to what the way they're going to operate: short passing game to the wide receivers. Uh, short passing game to the running back and he's they're going to drop back and throw a good amount of time so like Mike Davis is a you know just a a great safe option in this offense uh, that is shown that they're going to use him in the same capacity that they were using Christian McCaffrey Uh, so how do you get away from him it is really hard uh, to to, to move off of uh, Mike Davis yeah it's remarkable and he's he's been targeted uh, on far more uh, far higher percent of his routes run than Christian McCaffrey was through the first two weeks (laughs) Uh, I don't know. Is it sustainable? We'll see. They're saying McCaffrey might not return until week eight, so we will be mm-hmm. getting more Davis, and maybe DraftKings can right those wrongs and price him to a point where where he belongs. I mean, it's it's incredible, too, because Alexander Madison is more expensive than Mike Davis. And, right. And, you know, he, he's not even star- he's starting because Dalvin Cook's out, but you get the point. Um, Alex, Rich just broke down the, the running back position on both sides. Those are the two spots in this game that are actually getting ownership, right? Montgomery, we're seeing around 22%. Davis at 21%. And if you want to check these tools out, our player projections, ownership projections, top stack tool, go to awesomeo.com slash join. We, we have something for literally anybody, regardless of your budget. We even have the express pass for three ninety five a week that includes all of our showdown content now. On top of everything we already added, all of our showdown content – ownership top stack or top rankings play uh, top player tool uh, player projections all the articles comes with that uh, weekly 395 uh, express package so check that out but if you want to get PGA MLB um, UFC NASCAR League of Legends if, if these if these sites have contests for it we have content for it we've got all the tools that you need uh, so check them out all of which have been developed and used by Alex Baker himself. He's the number one ranked DFS player in the world, if you didn't know that. So uh, hopefully we'll see you over there. And check out our premium Slack chat when you do. Say what's up. You got people talking sports, betting, DFS all day long. It's a cool community, uh, and we'd love to have you over there. So uh, we will uh, go to awesome.com slash join if you want to. Uh, 21% ownership for Montgomery and Davis, but then it falls off a cliff. Alex, the passing games for these teams is going widely ignored 
from Anderson to even Allen Robinson, despite the fact that he's one of the most heavily targeted receivers in the game. Uh, DJ Moore, Darnell, these guys aren't getting any ownership. So is this a spot you think is worthwhile to attack, or are you staying away? Well, I think the matchup versus the Bears is difficult. They they have a pretty strong pass defense. So uh, Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore, uh, their baseline is so high that they're still going to be good plays, in my opinion. Robbie Anderson, I mean, he's having like an amazing season. And he, he hasn't scored less than 10 fantasy points in any game. I mean, that's surely like an outlier, and I don't expect that necessarily to continue. But the upside is there. This game as a whole, not too exciting. One of the lowest over-unders on the slate. But uh, I think Mike Davis and Robbie Anderson and, and DJ Moore, they're all, they're all solid plays, but maybe because of the tough matchup, uh, as you said, they might fly under the radar a little bit, and they're probably not the best options uh, considering their price. Okay. I, I got to tell you, I really like a 6% owned Allen Robinson. I, I just uh, – anytime – and Carolina has been you know, better than advertised, but that doesn't say a ton. Uh, it's just volume is so important here. And if, he's, if this guy's seen – right, what, 26 targets over his last two games, 39 over his last three, he's been peppered with opportunities. I'm willing to get there. Uh, Rich, your quick take on the passing games from either side of this one, knowing that the running game is going to be really, really popular across the industry. I mean, you look at Allen Robinson, uh, 13, 10, 16 targets the past three weeks. He's actually the first stretch of his career. He's had 90 or more receiving yards in three straight games, which is both kind of unbelievable and totally believable. Leads the the league in targets, by the way. Yeah. And then if you look at Carolina, they are, you know – they're decent as a whole against the pass and on a yards for attempt and yards for completion basis, but they are 28th against opposing wide receiver ones. They have allowed 100 yard games to uh, Mike Davis or Mike Evans, uh, Keenan Allen, and Calvin Ridley so far on the season. They did limit DeAndre Hopkins uh, in that game that they faced him. So I mean, you get you know you're getting you're getting a lot of volume uh, with Allen Robinson. Always it's always great to just start there, start at the targets, uh, and then you know you hope you hit for probability on some big plays and some touchdowns we know he's involved in the red zone uh they are involving jimmy graham quite a bit in the red zone uh he gets like no targets outside of the 20s but in the in the red zone the bears have been really heavily targeting uh jimmy graham which is kind of frustrating because he's not a a guy we want to play at any level or or have him cut into uh you know Allen robinson's touchdown potential as well but yeah i mean that i like think you guys hit on that just the floors are so high for these guys inherently that they could still have, you know, upside still just because the target floors are so high. No question, yeah. Uh, and I, Robbie Anderson has one touchdown. Alex said he's had 10 points in every game on just one touchdown, <laughs> like which is, you know, that's a remarkable consistency he's had. Yeah, no, he's been awesome. He's been really, really good, and every week you think that he's going to slow down, uh, he continues to produce. So, Alex and Rich, I wanted to save these two games for last before we get into our top fades. Uh, and our top pivots for the week. And then all of us have one prop or game bet, doesn't matter which one, uh, that we're going to hit on for week six. Man, Frank Gore, that got a little sketchy at the end there, but we hit the under on the rushing yards, Alex. (laughs) Oh, man, that was quite the sweat because at halftime, Gore had like 30 yards. At (laughs) at the end of the fourth quarter, he had 30 yards, so we really dodged the bullet there. (laughs) Yeah. We got there, though. It doesn't matter how we do it. And by the way, for all of you guys that are into MMA uh, and UFC, all of that wonderful stuff, stick around after the show. It's UFC Live Before Lock with Jason Floyd, 
Um, is is that right? Is Josh joining? Jason? Yeah, I think Pete's uh, Pete's unavailable this week, so we got Josh and Jason. All right, good stuff, dude. Josh Engelman's an awesome uh, USC analyst. I brought him on Sirius all of the time, so that's coming up immediately after us. Stick around. I think you guys will enjoy it. So, okay, Rich, I wanted to talk about Green Bay and Tampa Bay for a couple specific reasons. I'll be short because I want to make sure we can get everything in here. There's really not a ton of ownership going to the passing side of Green Bay outside of Devontae Adams. There's a one-point spread here, the highest total on this main slate. I'm just going to you know, set the table for you and let you go and let you run with this. What do we do with a team that, that has Devontae Adams and so many just like questionable secondary tertiary options uh, against Tampa Bay? And, and what are you doing with the Bucks? Yeah, I think that this game is it sets up to be potentially a lot of fun. It's you know um, there are a lot of levels here that this could go a lot of ways. And looking at ownership and kind of pro- uh, projected leverage, I mean the Buck side to me is what stands out because Brady's ownership is high, and then neither receiver is high, Mike Evans or Chris Godwin. And we know that both those guys offer a lot of upside. If you look at the Packers so far too. Uh, just their schedule so far, they have faced three teams in a row that were missing their top wide receiver. You know, they, they Julio Jones technically played uh, a half against them on Monday night. Calvin Ridley was banged up and only played 60% of snaps in that game. They played the Lions without Kenny Galladay, and they played the Saints without Michael Thomas. Uh, so this is like the first offense that they're going to face that is actually has like their full allotment of passing weapons. Uh, the one thing you worry about with Brady is like a situation like two weeks ago when they play the Chargers, like he throws four or five touchdowns and they go to four or five different guys. Uh, he's really brought that kind of over to the Bucks, where like a lot of guys are getting targets and they're using a lot of players, uh, which is kind of frustrating for us. Where, where last year we could just hone in on the Bucks and say Jameis is dropping back and their ball's going to these two players, and that's all we have to worry about. And then if Leonard Fournette ends up being out, he was limited in practice all three days, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, so just to monitor it. But Ronald Jones has played really well, and this is a Packers run defense that does not care about stopping the run. They openly don't care yep. about stopping the run. They've got 163 yards from scrimmage to running backs. If they're going to line up and, and, the, and let Brady just check the runs, Brady will do that, and they'll, they'll pound Ronald Jones. Uh, and he's at 128, 125 to, uh, total yards last two games with Fournette out. We need Fournette to be out, though. So you might have, he might be a late-game pivot if you want monitor uh, the inactives uh, and do some late swapping, too. But if Leonard Fournette ends up being out, Ronald Jones could be like an under-the-radar play, too, in this game. Um, there's, it's a fun, it looks like a fun game. Uh, and like I look at the player ownership and outside of Devontae Adams, uh, he's even Aaron Jones is a, we've seen him in these spots be a great leverage play just because his touchdown potential is so high and people are going to look at that Bucks defense and say, yeah, I'm not going to be able to play Aaron Jones against this Bucks defense because they don't give up any rushing production. They're number one in EPA against the run, but they are 27th in receiving points allowed to running backs. And we know Aaron Jones carries that, you know, kind of receiving upside too. So, I mean, this game on a lot of levels could be what swings it in weird ways too. Uh, you know, the, the, this whole slate because it's just going to be Dolphins, Jets, and Bucks, uh, Packers when we get to four o'clock. No question. Yeah, and uh, Ronald Jones is seventh in yards after contact per attempt. So uh, he's been good, and he broke off a bunch of chunk plays against uh, the Chicago Bears run defense last week. Alex, like I said, saving this one for last just because there's uh, so so many implications for this game. You've made a living being different playing DFS and taking that tournament strategy, going places where people aren't willing to go. Are there places you're willing to go in this game that at the current time aren't being paid attention to? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, this is the Green Bay-Tampa game, I think uh, it's one of the games of the slate. 
best games. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has been like really, really efficient with his passing, and it's been with a really weak core of uh, receivers. So now that he has Devontae Adams back, you got to imagine he's in a smash spot. Tampa Bay, they're very strong versus the run, but they're average versus the pass. So that really is leading me to the Green Bay stack. The one thing is uh, Robert Tanyan, he's been getting there on touchdowns. I don't think that's sustainable at all, so he'd be a fade for me. Um, and then you pretty much only have Marquez, Valdez, Scaling, and uh, Adams as your options. So I think it's going to be very difficult to make a, a stack that is unique here. But I like the potential of the, the Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers stack so much that I think uh, you got to think it's one of the top stacks of the week. Can you add Aaron Jones personally? Are you willing to add Aaron Jones, as Rich talked about his pass-catching upside, uh, into some of these stacks, or is that just not a place that you're looking to go with a Rodgers stack? Because if you go Rodgers, Adams, Jones, you're paying them. That takes up a lot of salary. <laughs> yeah, I think Jones would be uh, – I think it's uh, it could be an advantage having him compared to just uh, a non-packer stack, but it might not be enough to really justify spending all your salary on this one team. So uh, it'd be probably something I would lean against and just stack up Devontae Adams, keep it simple. So, Rich, we have uh, on our top stack tool, it's basically top stack probability. What are the chances that this will be the top stack of the week? And then you compare it against ownership, you compare it against value. Uh, at, Green Bay is the highest right now at top stack probability with one of the lower ownerships at 3.5%, at least on Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Atlanta is the next one, 11.3% top stack probability. Uh, Matt Ryan only projecting for 5% ownership right now. Some obvious and clear question marks coming into this spot for some pass catching options for the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, it, it, as four point dogs against Minnesota in what's projected at least to be a high scoring game, do you like attacking the pass here or the passing game? Or do we maybe look towards Gurley and, and Madison on both sides? What are you doing? Yeah, this game uh, has you. You got leverage to pull on this side too in this game as well. Because if you want, don't want to play Madison or get away from the Madison's you know high ownership, you can obviously play the Minnesota passing game, which offers uh, which offers a lot. I mean, because the Atlanta has allowed you know what over twenty fantasy points to every quarterback they faced, uh, and then they give up they give up chunk plays. So you've got a guy like Justin Jefferson in play because they're thirty first in. in uh, receptions a lot on targets over 15 yards that are further downfield. Uh, Thielen would probably be popular. You definitely have to pay up for him. But that's a way you can get, you know, kind of unique and against Alexander Madison. Even a, a punt like Irv Smith, who ran, you know, season-high pass routes last week, and they ran a season-high 12 personnel. They ran the most 12 personnel in the in the league last week. So if that continues, he might get more opportunities as well. Uh, and then on the other side, like Matt Ryan has been so disappointing for people these past three weeks. He's been so bad that no one's probably going to really want to play him. But he is still dropping back 44 times per game. And anytime you have like that kind of potential with good players, because Julio Jones look, it was removed from the injury report, looks like he's going to play. I don't know what that means, if, he's, if we're going to see Julio as a decoy or what, uh, but he's been fully removed from the injury report. And then Calvin Ridley has 400-yard games already in five games played. There is upside still in the Atlanta passing game, and I feel like people were all about the Atlanta passing game two weeks through the season. 
and now they're not really as excited to play Atlanta passing sure. game, and, and for good reason, but there's still a lot of upside with those players, and the Minnesota pass defense is not good. Uh, so, like, <laughs> I mean, it, it, you know, uh, there's really got, uh, guys like Calvin Ridley you can run it back. You can get away from Madison pretty easily in this game if you want to. Uh, if you want to make the argument for it, the only thing you are concerned about is if the Vikings hold court as four point home favorites and they do the Vikings thing where we saw in the first half of that Seattle game where Russ gets three possessions in the first half. There's still potential for that. The Vikings will absolutely squat on a lead and not really press the action and just grind Alexander Madison. And then you limit your possessions with the Atlanta side, your run back. Uh, if that happens, so that's like w- w- what you're worried about, you know, being potentially in the cards. But that Falcons, th- there's a lot of talent there and a lot of dropbacks to be had. Yeah, no question. And hey, anything we don't get to today, you guys know we got a three hour marathon show coming up from 10 a.m. Eastern to 1 p.m. up until lock tomorrow uh, right here on the Awesome O YouTube channel. And if you just jump in now, be sure to check out all of Rich's work at sharpfootballanalysis.com. Follow him at Lord Reeves. Follow Alex at Awesome DFS and myself at Lafay underscore D L O U G H Y underscore D. Uh, it's that time, Alex. Top pivots, top fades of the week, one each. I'm going to go to you first. Your top fade and your top pivot for this week six main slate. Man, this is uh, this is my favorite one because this is the one where you, you watching can go watch this player absolutely dominate and then be like, oh, I lost because of you. So <laughs> a lot of fun, um, but no pressure. <laughs> I guess my top fade, the uh, soft hand. It looks like uh, Mike Davis is projected to be the fourth highest on running back on the slate. Now, he's been getting a ton of workload, but the price has gone up a lot. So I think there's not really a huge advantage there this week in a, a spot where they only have a 23-team total. And I'd rather go to, to some other running backs that have more touchdown upside. And your top pivot of the week. I want to make sure we get everything in here, so I'm just going to hit you with both right away. All right. Um, or I can come back to you if you need to, if you need a second. We could do that, too. Uh, sure. All right, let's do that. Uh, and Rich, by the way, when we talk top fades, it doesn't mean you don't want any of this guy. It just means that you're probably going to have you know, markedly less than the field. So if someone says, oh, Rich and Alex played this guy in a lineup that did well, uh, what assholes. They said they were fading him. It doesn't mean they are going to have 0%. But go ahead, Rich, your top fades, your top pivots of the week. Yeah, like I said, I mean, I just, the way I, I build lineups and, you know, play the you know probabilities, I just think I'm going to be under on Derrick Henry. Uh, just because, you know, you you have to rely on the touchdown variance. If, if he doesn't score touchdowns, he's not going to probably hit. So anytime he's this popular, I'm just going to come under and hold my breath. Uh, and, and there's so many cheap running backs on the slate that uh, I think you could build really good rosters um, and, and survive, even if he gets to, like, the 25-point game. And your favorite pivot of the week, a low-owned guy that no one's really talking about. Yeah, I love Marvin Jones, man. I'm I'm going to the Marvin Jones train this week, so uh, I think that he's the the, the Detroit pivot guy. Awesome. Yeah, I'm going to go the fade Kenny Galladay. It doesn't mean I I don't like him, but 
insane ownership at a wide receiver position where I said there's been a pretty flat distribution of targets. Rich mentioned uh, Marvin Jones. Hawkinson's still there. Alex mentioned Amendola earlier. And they haven't been willing to get away from Adrian Peterson. So if Galladay's going to come in with 25% ownership, this is a spot that I'm, I'm more than willing to get away from. Uh, and I like Antonio Gibson as a sub-10% guy in what should finally be a game that he gets to play competitive football and could really see a lot of opportunities in that backfield. Alex, we got to pivot? Yeah, uh, it, it's honestly a pretty tough one. I like uh, Rich's Marvin Jones call because Kenny Galladay is coming in at 23% ownership for us. Um, the Man, I'm, it's, it's really tough to find a pivot, uh, honestly. But uh, the one I came up with, we were talking about how Allen Robinson is going under the radar this week because he's just super expensive, uh, a team that's not that good. And David Montgomery is coming in at our third highest on running back. So I think maybe pivoting to Allen Robinson as your contrarian spend up in your lineup could be a smart play. All right. And then our favorite prop bet or uh, any bet for this week, I'll go quickly uh, because I already mentioned him. I think uh, this is Antonio Gibson's best rushing game of the season. I'm going over 54 or sorry, 53 and a half yards. You can get that on DraftKings Sportsbook. Check it out at Oddshopper, awesomeo.com. Uh, you can find Oddshopper there. We got all props, anything you need, watch list, bet tracker. Type a name in and pull up all of their props. It's fantastic. Uh, Gibson's getting 73% of the team's rushing attempts or running back rush attempts over the last three weeks. I think we see that continue to rise, uh, and I expect this to be a game where he gets the most carries probably of the year. So give me over 53 and a half. What do you got, Rich? Uh, I like the Detroit Lions minus three. Uh, I actually, where I'm at, I don't get to play player props, so I don't uh, dive like deep Brutal. into the well on them. Yeah, it's, it stinks, man. It's the worst. But uh, you look at uh, the Lions, uh, we talked about just how the bad, bad teams have just been rampaging on the Jaguars. Under Matt Patricia, the Lions are 2-0 against the spread coming out of a bye. Road favorites out of a bye since 2003 are hitting at 70%. So uh, I like the Lions uh, minus three. All right, Alex, close us out, baby. Who do you got? Favorite prop bet or any bet of the week? So I'm, I'm seeing Miles Gaskin having some pretty high numbers here. Uh, so the rushing prop is 58.5. Now you would think that Miami being big favorites versus the Jets, like that would be really good for the, the running game. But when I went back and I looked at historical uh, play distribution based on positive game scripts, Miami runs at one of the lowest rates in the league when they're ahead. So I'm thinking that maybe they don't get quite the rushing volume that you'd expect, even though last week they did run the ball a ton of times. Awesome. Beautiful stuff, fellas. <laughs> Lord Reeves, Rich Rebar, thanks a lot for joining us, man. Uh, thanks to all of you for hanging out with us. Stick around. Jason and Josh coming up with the MMA show. And remember, all of our shows, you can check them out in podcast form and any platform where podcasts are available. We'll see you back here for week seven. Remember, Sharp Football Analysis. Check them out. Follow them at Lord Reeves. Alex, appreciate you as always at Awesomeo DFS and at Lafayette underscore D. Of course, follow Awesomeo at Awesomeo underscore com. We'll see you back here next week and tomorrow morning for that three-hour deeper dive marathon. Thanks for watching, guys. Thank <laughs> you.